Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Michael Mercurio, Vice President of Physician Billing Services at Mass General Brigham and co-founder of Codametrics. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Really great to be here, Laura. Thank you. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare and really a lot of uh, interesting and exciting things, both on the revenue cycle side as well as the technology. But before we dive into my questions, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background. Sure. Thanks. Um, I've been with uh, Mass General Brigham for about 25 years. I've spent the entire entirety of my time in the uh, physician billing office um, and uh, currently lead our, our physician billing team for, for, the, uh, for the system. Uh, I've also been involved, as you mentioned earlier, with the bringing to life of a AI autonomous coding tool that started out in our organization a number of years ago as a workflow enhancement product and has uh, since uh, turned into a, a startup that is no longer uh, owned by MGB, and we're really, really proud of that. That's amazing. And what was that journey like to kind of begin and incubate and then spin out, I guess, into your own company and really uh, be able to thrive in that way? It was really exciting to be doing something other than typical billing work because it gave us a, a way to think outside the box and bring a lot of value to our patients and to our providers because we were able to reduce the cost of our services to them while improving uh, a lot of quality. And our team actually liked it as well because we were able to remove a lot of the repetitive, high volume, low risk, not overly exciting work that they were doing by transitioning that uh, to the machine. Um, on the other hand, it was a little bit of a challenge um, from a bureaucratic perspective. We joked that we were like the bucket off a battleship because uh, MGB is not at all in the business of bringing technology startups to life. So uh, we were doing something new uh, and innovative and uh, it just took a lot of uh, administrative patience in order to um, to to, uh, to build it up and then to um, spin it out. Absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine that's quite a feat. So um, congratulations on that. And definitely, you know, amazing to hear the story and then definitely to see um, the results after your team, you know, included the technology and were able to incorporate that into their daily routines. Now, based on your role with Mass General Brigham, um, what are some of the opportunities and headwinds you have your eye on right now? Yeah, I think we're struggling with similar with some of the similar challenges most of the organizations around the country are doing now, trying to find ways to reduce our length of stay so we can improve the services and expand our services to, to our, our patient populations. There's a challenge with higher cost uh, and labor shortages, uh, which is where you know RPA and AI have been, been very helpful, uh, not only in the rev cycle and administrative areas, but hopefully soon in the clinical areas. And uh, in our space specifically, we're trying to find ways to continue to improve our performance, reduce our cost, and reduce our expense. And uh, we've got a number of strategies in place to do that, and uh, we're executing against those. 
Got it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And certainly kind of having those uh, labor and financial headwinds is something that a lot of folks are, are facing right now. You know, when you look at it and say, got a lot of different things in, in the works here um, to try to kind of mitigate some of the, the burden of those headwinds, um, you know, is there any one or two things in particular that have been particularly um, successful for you or, or really have early results, I suppose, in, in um, being able to uh, just kind of meet those challenges head on? Sure. We've, we've used probably three of the main things that we've been able to leverage uh, have been uh, relying much more heavily in the last few years on data to make decisions and having that data be made more available to us uh, more readily and more accessible to more people so that we can identify opportunities uh, for improvement uh, before they um, become real problems. We've got a number of alerts that we get when something is uh, outside of baseline, so we can react uh, on the middle of the month instead of waiting for month end close and for reports to be generated in two or three weeks. So we're, we have a lot of um, capability in that space that's really allowed us to be more proactive uh, as opposed to be reactive. Uh, the second thing that we've done is we've tried to leverage technology wherever we can. We have an extremely robust uh, RPA program uh, between our physician billing team and our hospital billing team. We've got about 30 bots in, in place that uh, on, an, on an annual basis um, are saving maybe 35 to 40 FTEs a year worth of work. And we've been, able to, we've been able to build those and roll them out without impacting any of our staff from a reduction in force perspective. We've been able to transition our staff to, to open vacancies or to higher level, more complex work. And that's been a real uh, benefit for us. Um, and then the third thing that we've been, uh, second technology rather that we've been using is is uh, Codemetrics and, and similar tools uh, wherever we can uh, identify opportunities for, uh, again, leveraging technology in order to reduce the burden of either our team or of our physicians. And we're now uh, leveraging four of their modules in our clinical and RevCycle space. And that's been extremely beneficial for, to us from a quality as well as a performance and a cost reduction perspective. And then the last thing that is that we've been doing for the last seven or eight years is we've been on a an offshoring journey, uh, and we we work with three partners in the physician space at MGB in order to reduce the cost to collect and our onshore headcount while still maintaining high quality and high performance. And we're really proud of that that work because again we've been able to do that without any reductions in force through shifting staff to other roles to open vacancies or to absorbing growth without having to add onshore staff and. So that's allowed us to drop our, our overall cost to collect by about 17% in the last six years. And that's been a cost that we've been able to pass on um, directly back to our practices, um, which is what our mission is, is to support them. Uh, and uh, they've been very appreciative of that. That's amazing to hear. And thank you so much for sharing with us. It's definitely helpful to understand what's driving results and, and you know, really um, how you're able to kind of navigate some of these troubling waters. Um, and you mentioned it a little bit or touched on it a little bit in your last response, but I was wondering if you could go a little bit further as well in, in how you're thinking about growth and adding value to the organization overall. I can imagine um, just with the technology and digital transformation, as well as, you know, some of the ways that healthcare revenue cycle is evolving naturally. Um, I, I just love to hear what you really focused on right now in that way is and how you see that um, growth and development um, from your vantage point? Well, we, we only serve the patients of the Mass General Brigham Network. So our growth is basically determined on either whatever either organic growth or if there is any growth through the through acquisitions. And, and our acquisition uh, pipeline right now is, 
is um, slowed down uh, quite a bit. And so most of the growth that we're, we're working on is, uh, is organic uh, as an organization. And we're doing a lot of work to reduce our length of stay and to improve our patient experience to hopefully continue to attract patients from around the region, the country, and around the world. And my job as a leader in the physician revenue cycle space is to make sure those patients have the best possible experience. We want to minimize the, the mistakes that we make that impact their bills or their lives, obviously. And we want to collect our uh, cash as quickly, efficiently, and compliantly as possible so that we can contribute to a positive experience, not only for the patients, but obviously to the financial health of the organization. So we spend a lot of time trying to find opportunities to reduce our payer denials, reduce our write-offs. How can we be more efficient, reduce clicks? We have really uh, weekly conversations around staffing. So if there's ever a vacancy, we, we meet, we talk about whether or not that can be a position that needs to be offshored or it needs to be, be held uh, or, and then determined later, or if it's something that a technology might be able to, to take on. Got it. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, for those conversations, I can imagine um, there's definitely a very delicate balance you have to bring in terms of um, looking at things, you know, proactively and in, in leveraging technology, but then at the same time, understanding the human workforce as well. Um, how do you approach those kinds of conversations to make sure they're as productive as possible, knowing that some people might be a little bit nervous about getting into the, um, that space? That was one of the biggest challenges we've had with our offshore partners, as well as with the technology is what's going to be the impact to me. Um, you know, most, most people in the working environment um, like uh, hot food and shelter and heat. And so if you want, you want to be very careful around, you know, whether how you're going to uh, staff the work that you need to do. So we've taken a, a long-term approach and in, in trying to be very thoughtful in, in how we uh, implement uh, either new technologies or how we um, increase our participation with offshore staff so that we are um, not causing any panic amongst our teams. And we've been able to, to uh, stand by those commitments for the last few years, which has been really uh, beneficial for us. We also have taken the approach of, of not offshoring everything and, and closing our eyes. And as Ron Popeil used to say a few decades ago, set it and forget it. We keep an onshore team of subject matter experts for everything that we offshore. So they help us with QA, uh, reporting and, and management of our offshore partners, just like they would if those partners were onshore. So they're basically an extension of us uh, and we don't treat them as vendors, we treat them as partners. And that's really helped us to uh, build strong relationships with our partners, as well as internally have people feel committed to the work that we're doing and not feel that they're only um, working to, you know, eventually offshore, offshore their jobs. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's just such a, a delicate balance again. So thank you so much for your perspective there and how you approach um, some of those conversations to really, you know, make sure that the team on site um, feels, you know, taken care of and understands the direction of the department as a whole. Now, you know, along those lines, I, I was wondering um, in some of these challenging times and times of immense change, you know, it can sometimes be a challenge to take risks or, or make investments um, and, and spend resources. But what do you think is one risk or investment that is still worth making this year? I think in the industry, healthcare has been slow to adapt technology, and it takes a big change. It's a very paper-dependent manual work industry. And so I think that if you're an organization that hasn't already dipped its toe into the RPA or to the AI space, then it's something you need to really get, get involved with this year, because otherwise you're you're going to be well behind the eight ball and the cost pressures are already tremendous and they're already, they're only going to get more difficult 
not only from the, um, the cost perspective, but also the labor shortage perspective. In particular, the coding area, uh, there's a, a global shortage of coders, and that's only going to get worse as the co labor force for coders in the U.S. is aging out, and there are more people retiring than entering the, the, the workforce. And so if you're not leveraging technology, uh, then it's something that you're really going to be challenged with. So we think we have a, a pretty good strategy that we've been executing on for a number of years related to RPA, leveraging uh, the great work that our EHR does with regard to automation, um, expanding our, our relationship with uh, with Codemetrics wherever we they have a product that fits in with with our budgets and, and our needs and, and the quality that um, that we want. And so far, um, we've been able to achieve that with with four of their their offerings. And we've there are a couple more coming down the pike that we're really excited about. And then obviously continuing to work with our offshore partners. So I'm not sure from our perspective we're we're taking too many risks because I think we've already done that and we're now executing against those strategies. Got it. That's fantastic to hear and definitely a great foresight to really dive in and then um, be in execution mode now. I guess as we wrap up our conversation here, I'm wondering where do you see the best opportunities for growth and development in the future? I know we've talked a lot about where we're at today and some of the big um, changes occurring right now. And, and how do you see that evolving? What do you see over the next two to three years or so? Well, I think that the cost pressures aren't going to go away anytime soon uh, in, in our industry or around the country. There's, as I said, as we talked about earlier, there's labor shortages. I think that uh, if I think if you, we had a crystal ball, our, the number of people that are working in this industry is going to shrink pretty dramatically from the administrative perspective of healthcare. I think you're still going to need, obviously, all the clinicians that do the real important and difficult work on a day-to-day -day basis, and we're here to support them as, as best we can. But our headcount has dropped pretty significantly over over the course of the last few years, and, but our average um, salary has gone up. And that's because we have uh, machines doing uh, a lot of the lower level work that we used to have people doing 10, 15 years ago. And I think that's going to accelerate in the coming years. And so we're going to have fewer people that instead of managing people, they're going to be managing processes and managing work. And that's an adjustment. Finding those people that have the right skills that understand processes, but can can manipulate data, can understand more complex transactions and how to interact with uh, companies uh, that are overseeing processes that are based on RPA or AI is very different than managing a, a charge entry staff or managing a production team. So I think that's gonna be a continued adjustment for us. And we've been able to do a lot of that uh, so far and build up a pretty good muscle memory in that, perspe in that perspective, but there's still a lot of work to do. Um, we still got a number, uh, number of challenges ahead of us with regard to, as, as I mentioned, cost and labor shortage. And uh, it's something that we think about and try to react to and plan for um, on a week to week basis. That's fascinating to hear. And definitely, you know, the future of work is going to be completely different. And when you look at moving in that direction, is it a situation where you can kind of equip your team members now to uh, make that transition and manage the processes in work more than people um, in kind of look to that direction? Or is it a sense that, you know, potentially you'd have to bring in folks with a different type of skill set? Um, how do you manage all of that? I think it's something we're going to have to tackle. I'm hoping and I'm confident that we have the right team to, to do that work, but it is going to be a mindset change and potentially some upskilling for, for all of us. It's just, a it's just a different world as we roll out more technology that removes charge capture from our, from our physicians. Uh, and we have machines do it. We've got to make sure the machines are doing the right thing and, and that they're processing timely and appropriately and with high quality. 
And similarly, we're going to always have or continue to have offshore partners. And again, managing those relationships when it's all of your business as opposed to just a part of your business is, is a very different um, um, perspective and it's a, a different uh, amount of pressure for, for us when uh, much more is out of, outside of our direct control. Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks very much. It was a real pleasure to talk with you. Absolutely. And it'll be great to see you as well in October at the Health IT Digital Health and Revenue Cycle event um, at Navy Pier in Chicago. Looking forward to it. This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode.